everyone welcome to solace my name is iona and this is my podcast where i'm bringing like social justice issues um and i have a really interesting episode today i have david with me here and we're going to be talking about the topic of <laughs> conflict transformation which isn't a thing that many people here know about um or it's not even really talked about so david hello how are hello. you <laughs> very good how are you I'm good. I've got my mum here as well again. Hi. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, can you tell us three fun facts about yourself just to start us off? Fun facts about myself. Oh my God. Um, I can do this. <laughs> I think that's We have to describe this. We have to describe this to the listeners. He was sort of puffing his lips up because we No, really... it's tw- is it flaring your nostrils? Yeah. Yes. Ah, I messed up. <laughs> I think that's um focusing on my drinking water right another fun fact um what can I say I have walked about 50 miles on foot so I think that is another uh, very interesting thing um is that when you were younger or is it like I was I think I was like 15 like 16, one go. Yeah. Oh my word. By choice, yeah. did you have to? I didn't choose. <laughs> that was not by choice. No, I was thinking that. Um, I don't know if this last one is a fun fact, but I can fluently speak four languages. So what language those are French, Swahili, Kinyaranda, and I know about 25 words in English. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we, we'll use all of those today. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And then the name of the podcast is Solace, which means light in Irish. So I always ask everyone, what is something that has brought light into your life during the pandemic? Because obviously it's been a really hard time, but there has been things that have brought light into our lives. So what's that for you? Yeah, thanks for the question. For me, I I guess it it has been the people that are in my life, Um, the small community I have here in the United States, um, but also people back home, just like the people that I'm connected to have, I would say, been the light for me um, in in this pandemic, and I believe God put them in my life. Definitely. I think people have just gotten a lot closer, and we've all sort of like everyone has been kind of bonding we've all been in this together in the same position so definitely people have been a real light in everyone's lives and as you said you're living in America but you're obviously not originally from there Um, and can you tell me a bit about where you're from Um, because I know you're from the Democratic Republic of Congo or the DRC and a lot of people here don't really know too much about the DRC it's huge it's 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 a very big country what did you say earlier about how many times you oh I, I would reckon you would get the UK fitted into the Democratic Republic of Congo or about 10 United Kingdoms yeah maybe probably. more <laughs> yeah maybe something around that yeah so um, I'm from the Democratic Democratic Republic of Congo it's in Central Africa I am from the eastern part a province called the called the North Kivu, which is like North Kivu in English. Um, So that's where I'm from, born and raised. Um, I lived in Rwanda for three years, currently living in the, in Virginia, United States. Um, Yeah. Anything else I can say about where I'm (laughs) from? Tell me a bit more about the, both good and bad about the Democratic Republic of Congo. Like it's a beautiful place. I mean, where, where I've been in Gomer, it's so beautiful with the lake and, and yet, there's some really awful stuff as well. So can you tell us the good and bad? 
Yeah, the good is, well, should I start with the bad? The bad maybe is there's just a lot of conflicts, violent conflict, um, you know, and there's, it's a whole long story, but there's a lot of instability. Um, education, the quality of education is not that good. So young people um, and even adults try to go to other countries for quality education. Um, the good things we have, it's a beautiful place. It's very beautiful. There's no cold winters. It's always like summer, always throughout the year. Um, yeah, the, the community, there's just a strong sense of community and hospitality, like people really share um, and, you know, you just feel welcomed whenever you go there. If you are not from there, you will just feel like, hey, I'm welcome here. So um, the other good thing about the place is we have a lot of organic food. I We never struggled with uh, that part at all, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of good things and bad things, but I guess for now, those are the few things that I can I can mention about the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's like, it sounds like such an interesting place, like with a lot of culture and also obviously a lot of things going on. And it must have been a real culture shock to have moved from there to the States. Can you tell me a bit about sort of the differences and how you felt coming uh, to America, maybe how you were treated? Yeah, um, <laughs> of course it was. Coming to America was like exciting. You know, we watch movies, we hear things about America and then you come here, you're like, wait a minute, really? This is America? <laughs> I need the America I saw in the movies. Um, you know, you don't hear about the healthcare system and how bad it is in America in movies. You don't hear that. So that was like surprising, you know. Um, back home, many people think that, oh, you are in America, you must be rich, like you have money. <laughs> and and you come here and you see that people live paycheck after paycheck and it's not exactly what we expected. So um, the other thing is, in terms of difference, um, I come from a place where people are like very community oriented. Um, what you do, what you, the lifestyle is just community oriented. And it's not, it's not the case in the United States. Um, I mean, there's sense of community, but it's not as much as back home. People here some, some, seem to be more individualistic. Like it's me, I, and myself. And where I come from, it's us and the community. So that has been difficult to just navigate. Um, I come from a place where, you know almost all the neighbors around you and in America you don't know who the neighbor is you just live your life they live their lives so that was like a little bit um challenging um yeah the language was I mean I speak I spoke a little bit of English but when I came to the U.S. then there's like the American accent it felt like you were learning a new um a new language so those are like the major um differences of course U.S. is like a developed country um the congo is not so the technology is not is the same at all um it's just, it's just like two different two different worlds so those are the few things i can mention in terms of differences you said about the accent but i mean you've got to know no. you understand me and i mean i i was speaking we, we had we had we had been working together for like two years <laughs> and talking quite often so the accent was more familiar than the american <laughs> accent I'm sure our accent's harder to understand. <laughs> I enjoy it. Now I'm able to understand the Irish accent because I've been interacting with Diane and other people from, yeah. from so you need to Yeah, you need to come here. I need to. <laughs> definitely. Although when you say it's hot summers all year round in the DRC, it's... Yeah, you definitely want to be bringing a, a, a raincoat. Mm, a raincoat, yeah. maybe hats. Umbrella, maybe boots. 
Really? Yeah, and, and definitely a couple of vests oh underneath your jumper. Oh no. Get in your pocket next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sort of getting more into the episode, um, conflict transformation. Could you tell us about what this is? Because it is definitely not something that is widely known, widely talked about here, and yet it is extremely important. I mean, even with the situation in Northern Ireland, you know, it's extremely extremely important to know what this is and to use it here so could you tell us about what it is in more layman's sure. terms <laughs> yeah so the the most basic idea of uh, conflict transformation is basically trying to deal with root causes of a conflict so you know there might be a conflict between um two individuals or communities we can try to bring a solution but as long as we are not dealing with the root causes these things might keep happening again so conflict transformation is finding ways to deal with root causes addressing root causes of a conflict but in a non-violent way so there might be ways people can try to deal with root causes but in violent ways but conflict transformation is trying to deal with root causes of um uh, or violent conflict in a non-violent way and what i mean by non-violent way is basically doing no harm um and and so on so i think that's like the general idea of of conflict transformation people may build up on that and say more but that's like the and how do you find way. out what the root cause is yeah you can use different different tools of conflict analysis um basically one of the simple tools people try to use that can be used by anyone in any life situation is asking the why questions like why did this happen and then once you find an answer to that ask another why why that for example why are people you know dying of covid and then maybe we have bad healthcare systems why do we have very bad healthcare systems and then until you get to a point where you like have enough answers so that can be there's many tools you can use to do conflict analysis. There's other tools like the onions, you know, you try to deal to understand the interest, the positions, the, the, the needs, because sometimes in a conflict, we all have a position. Oh, this is what I want. But the interest is what we really want. Like the position is like what we say we want. The interest is like what we really want. And the need is like what we must have because needs are not you know negotiable so there's many tools of conflict analysis you can use and the ones i just talked about are like the very simple that you can use in any situation in life yeah it sounds sort of like i mean i think people always see like over analyzing as a negative thing but in this sense you need to just can like keep questioning keep questioning and allow yourself to delve deeper into these situations to get to the root cause um, could you tell us um, sort of what called you to work in this? Because it might not have been a thing that you had maybe heard of when you were younger and it's something that maybe you came across as, as you got older. Was it sort of your life experiences or things you've seen, people you know, things like that? What was it that called you into this? I think it was all of that, but mostly my life experience. So growing up in the Congo, you know, this conflict, like most of my generation we were born in 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 like the civil war and that's all you grow up seeing so at the end of the day you you realize unless you do something about it it's going to continue so that to me was like the origin of you know 
of my passion for peace work or conflict transformation or peace building work. So, but also there was other factors like just having mentors and people who um, that inspired us. You know, I saw people doing things. I was like, that sounds really cool. Like, I think I can also do something like that. I would say there was also like um, a scholarship that I got to go do my undergrad in 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 uh, peace building, which is like another sub branch of conflict trans. It's like Conflict transformation is like under peace building, um, and and that scholarship motivated me to go even further into this as um, as like an academic thing. Uh, there's you can do this work. You don't have to be, you know, to have a degree in conflict transformation to do conflict transformation work. So for me, I decided to go um, for to school for this because I. I got, you know, a scholarship and I, I loved it. I loved, you know, meeting people, um, seeing the work they're doing, learning from their experiences and their organizations. Um, but mostly, mostly my life, my life experience growing up in the Congo without a father who uh, was lost in a war. Well, he was killed in a war. I don't know if you don't like this part, you can edit it out. Uh, but yeah, that was, you know, another thing that really inspired me to go further. Um, you know, we're, this share a wee bit about that Definitely life do. experience because I think it's important that people know just how difficult things can be. Yeah, know the extent of it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great, and I think people will connect with like things like that. Hearing, you know, personal stories that call you to make a difference and to do something. Um, I think I'm actually going to skip to a different question, which is like, do you have any advice? For young people who feel that they can't make a difference because maybe things in their life have caused them to you know not believe in themselves not think that they actually have any influence or anything that can benefit society but do you have any advice for people who, who maybe do feel like that yeah first of all before i give any advice i would like to acknowledge that and just say i hear you if you have been experiencing something like that it's it's totally normal. Um, and the other thing I can give, say then in terms of advice is, we don't have to fix all the problems of the world. We we just need to do our part in, in this whole thing. And when we do you know, what we are supposed to do, then everyone can do the same thing and we are interconnected. Um, that, that can be by itself a source of peace. Like for me, doing this work has been very, um relaxing i mean i find my own healing in this process so i would just say we don't have to fix everything around us it's not we cannot we cannot do that but uh the the the, the, the small things we can do can even be source of healing for ourselves you know um and not only healing but also they can give us meaning they can give us meaning so i would say um try try again it's 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 never too late to try something um and i believe everyone can can do something within our own capacities even though it might not look like much in the eyes of many compared to what other people are doing but what is more important is the the motivation that you have and the passion that you have for what you want to do i love that thank you so much for sharing that and i think it's a lot about not putting pressure on yourself to be good at everything and to be having to use everything it's finding what you're good at and finding your skills that yeah, and you can utilize for different things um, and sort of uh, bringing different ideas and different things that you're good at into building up and you know making a difference i think the good thing though about the type of things that david does is it brings him into contact with people 
who you wouldn't normally meet. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's really interesting about it. I mean, I think, David, it'd be really interesting to give an example of where actually even coming into contact with people who are really different to you challenged you, because I think that's what we struggle with here sometimes. Because, I mean, there's not a lot of people here who are, you know, from loads of different backgrounds. But even if you're from, you know, in, in terms of here, it's whether you're a unionist or a nationalist yeah. or whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant, you know, it, it can be different in other parts of the world. But, you know, yeah. can you give us an example of your challenges? Yeah, my, my where I come from, the challenge was, you know, um, you like people from different tribes, like tribalism, like my mentor who has been a very important person in my life is not from my tribe. And if we would go back to history, my tribe and his tribe wouldn't be at peace. Like him and I would not connect at all. But today he's like my inspiration. We were able to see ourselves beyond our ethnic identities and, and see another identity beyond, you know, our ethnicities and see something related to the passion we share, the, the vision we have, the things that we want to do and, and, and Christianity in our case. Um, so he has been a blessing in my life for example too i also went to study in rwanda and rwandans and congolese are not really like bonding as much as they should but then <laughs> i lived in rwanda i have many rwandan friends and i have been blessed by this country i i had stereotypes like any other congolese has about rwandans rwandans had stereotypes about congolese but then when i got to live there to live in their country and see their way of life like they're actually really nice people. We just never connected, you know, as long as we fear the people we don't know. That's the problem. But when you get to know the people in person themselves, you you connect um, you connect with them. So I guess that's what I can add to that. Definitely. And being intentional with making new connections. And sometimes you kind of just stumble across different groups of people by like a chain of events, like coincidence. You stumble across different people that then become extremely important in your lives and you never would have met them. And often you, know? you think they're going to be so different. I mean, David, even, you know, me, a white woman coming from Northern Ireland, going to meet so many different people in East Africa, whether it's from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda, Zimbabwe. Yeah. There's so many things that I felt we had in common because, you know, of our experiences in Northern Ireland, you know, people are people no matter where you go. And the trouble exactly. is you, you build up a different picture in your head. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. like, not to like that use a different example, but I think whenever I, like I have to get injections in school and I'm always absolutely terrified of getting them. And then you get it and you're like, was that like, that was not scary at all. Like, so like you, and not to, like, I'll not use a little simple example, but like well, you, you build something, you build up, in your something head. up in your head for it to be so much bigger than it is. And then it's not yeah. big at all. It's not hard. It was just the act of doing it and getting it over with and mm -hmm. done with, you know, but um, uh, with you worked with the Congo Peace Network. Um, could you tell us a bit about, about the network itself, about your role in it and about what they do and what you did? Sure. Um, Congo Peace Network is a, is a non-governmental organization um, created by young people. The, 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 we, we believe at Congo Peace Network that peace and justice are the pillars of any type of sustainable development. So we, we, we were like trying to we see what can we do to help our country, you know, um, to see positive change in our country. So we believe that peace and justice are the pillars of sustainable development. So that's why peace, Congo Peace Network um, 
does um, human rights advocacy. Uh, we do um, conflict resolution trainings. We do nonviolent communication trainings um, and nonviolent movement and, and, and activities. Um, so what I do at Congo Peace Network, I do mainly like fundraising because um, that's a very important part of any uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, fundraising using different social media platforms, but also talking to different uh, potential donors in person. I also did a lot of um, trainings. I was facilitating trainings uh, for college students in uh, nonviolent communication uh, and active nonviolence. Um, so that's usually mainly in the last four years. That's what I did mostly. Um, but sometimes I also help with, uh, you know, like writing grant proposals, uh, just like giving some technical advice about, you know, the programs we, we design. So those are like the three main areas of my intervention um, at Congo, Congo Peace Network. Yeah, but sometimes it's hard to imagine when you use that language, because it's so usual for us to say, you know, we did this nonviolent training and blah, blah, blah. But can you give us an example of where Congo Peace Network went into a community, what the problem was in the community, and then after Congo Peace Network doing their conflict transformation work, the difference that it made, because that then helps people to, to understand what yeah. it is you do. Sure. So in 2016, we were supposed to have the national presidential elections, and we the, the government at that time didn't want to organize elections. So people were so frustrated, um, angry, and mainly college students were protesting in the streets um, in a violent way. So like burning, breaking things and things like that, fighting with the police. So we at Congo Peace Network in our city, Goma, we realized that this was a need. Anger usually shows that there's, a, there's an unmet need there. So what we did was to gather um, college students and just like acknowledge that this is happening. And But there's another way of us advocate, for us to advocate for our rights, you know? Um, there's another way for us to protect the constitution as the people you know, it doesn't have to be a violent way. So what we did was to provide a series of um, trainings on nonviolence. How can we use advocacy negotiation? How can we, you know, advocate for our rights without burning down buildings, you know, things that we are, were built with our own tax money. So that I guess was a not, one, one story that I personally and particularly like because after that there was many series of nonviolent campaigns in, in the Congo. And when we did it in a nonviolent way, we even got international attention. When you're using violence, the government has all the rights to retaliate violently. But when you're using nonviolence, the government is losing power because they, they have no other reason to prove that you are like, how are you going to show up and beat up not unarmed youth? So I think that was very powerful because we were able to do that. And uh, with many other actors that were doing other things, uh, we were able to have our election in 2018 and we had a new government. So I wouldn't say for sure that Congo Peace Network did all of this by itself. But I say, as I said earlier, we did our part in the whole thing. We, we contributed as much as we could. So this is one of uh, the stories that I particularly like. 
Was there anything that you like learned from your time working with the Congo Peace Network that you've like brought into your like new places of work? Yeah, I, I learned about just how to be good with people. I think just learning how to communicate what you need uh, is very important because sometimes we need something, but we don't know how to communicate that. And I think that's something I learned at Congo Peace Network. When I needed something from the organization, how would I communicate that? Or when I represented the organization and the organization needed something, how would I communicate that with the outside world? So communication and just um, learning how to build relationships because from my experience, whether it's funds or anything, they really go through relationships. So what kind of relationships do we have um, with the people that we are trying you know, to work with? I think those are the two main things that I have learned um, from Congo Peace Network, from my time at Congo Peace Network, and that I have been um, you know, using in, in, my, in my daily life, I would say. Definitely, it's like your communication skills even like it have developed into, you know, being able to make connections with people like we were talking about there, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then for our last question, we obviously have our own conflict here in Northern Ireland and there's still issues with division today. But what can young people here do to make a difference to issues of conflict? I think a lot of the time, you know, even personally, like I just sort of feel there's nothing that can be done that the country's in a way seems set in its ways but what are what are some things that we can do to you know make a difference even if we feel like we can't yeah that's a very good question i don't think i have like an actual like solution type of answer but these are my thoughts uh, i acknowledge that i'm an outsider to that context so i cannot say this is what you need to do but i would say this is what i think would probably help Young people come are born into conflicts. I wasn't there when this conflict started. The young people probably that are gonna be listening to me were not born when this happened. So why should we keep perpetuating this? Like we have a life to live. We have, we have to make choices about how we want to live the future. You know, we can choose what to inherit from older generations and what not to take. And I think that's something that can help. It happened, happened with tribes in my context where you are born into a tribe and something happened a hundred years ago, you were not there. Why should I keep fighting over something that happened a hundred years ago? I wasn't there. I, why is it my problem now? How I, I like somebody from the other tribe. Why can't we be friends? You know, I like someone, someone from the other party. Why cannot be? Can we not be friends? I think just believing that it's possible. That's the first step. I would say believing that it's possible for us to coexist. You know, and be friends again, live together in a peaceful, in a peaceful way. I think that's something young people have the power to do. Um, to believe and and to listen. Sometimes, as I said earlier, we are afraid of people because we don't know them. We don't talk to them. If we talk, we spoke, we could see connections and be like, oh, there's a lot of similarities between us. And, you know, we are actually not that different, you know? So I would say believing um, and also acknowledging that we were not even there when this conflict started. Why should we keep perpetuating these things? And we are also being harmed. There's like there's victims on, on all sides. So why? Like, why? And I know it's not easy. It's easy to say because I'm not from that context, maybe, but I would say this is what I would be leaning towards if I were personally in that um 
in that situation. So believing that this is still possible, there's many examples of other places where people have been able to come together again, like in Rwanda, after the worst of all nightmares we can think of, you know, people to get today are reconciling. In Congo, young people from different tribes can now get married among them. And that's just powerful, beautiful. It used, it used to be the case like two decades ago. So I think that's, you know, a few things that I can probably recommend. No, thank you so much. And I know people are definitely going to be inspired by that to sort of even just change their perspective and change their attitude towards, you know, the situation as a whole. But is there anything else you would like to say before we before we close? Well, just if people want to find out more. Yes, yes, yes. Congo Peace Network and where we can sort of find stuff you. that happens in the Congo. And if there's anything that that we can do in Northern Ireland that helps 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 the situation in the Congo mm. be a bit more aware maybe mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think that would be great uh being aware um that would be great yes <laughs> find out more about yes. the democratic republic of Congo um where can we where can we find um if we can find you on social media find you know the Congo Peace Network is there anywhere people can go to find that you can send I can put them yeah. but yeah but you can send the link and then yeah, the org. Uh, that's our website it's in french there's a way to translate it into english it's like a button you can click um can yeah we also have presence on on facebook and twitter um and you can just google congo peace network based in goma eastern drc that's perfect thank mm -hmm. you so much yeah, thank just thank you. you for this whole conversation i know it's it's a hard thing to talk about and you shared some really hard things there but Thank you so much because I know it's going to make a big difference and inspire people and just change their perspectives on, on different things. So thank you so much. And to anyone who is listening, um, tune in next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>